I want to speak tonight on, and it's going to go on a couple of weeks. Is there a secret? Is there a secret? So how many of you are kind of like those people that when there's, when there's something that's going on and you're not quite of you, you're very keen to find out what's going on? Naskirige <laughs> mense. So um, you remember that we were planned to have a prayer and fasting kind of thing and then we delayed it a little bit. And there's, there's, there's wisdom in this thing because... If we don't understand what we're doing um, and we don't understand the, the, the bigger picture, then we, we can do something, but we do it half. And so we've, we've done that. We've rescheduled uh, our, our prayer and fasting. We've just delayed it a little bit because I want to speak on it for a, a little while and, and just maybe paint a little bit of a picture on, on, on what we're actually doing and, and what the Bible says and the things that happen because of that so that all of a sudden a faith level can rise up on the inside of us to believe God for bigger things. Amen. I'm there. So over the past year that we've been here, we've been working on putting and strengthening our foundation in our Christian, our, our, our lives from the Word. You remember that? Okay, we've been doing kind of like step by step. And um, there's a program on DSTV that I love watching. It's called 100 Days Dream Home. Anybody watch that? Huh? One, two other people. Okay. See, here's the revelation. It's amazing that every house looks different, um, different layout, different whatever, different location. But the building process is always exactly the same. You start with a foundation, you build the walls, you put the roof, you furnish the inside. Nobody has ever started with the roof, put the furnishes, and then started to build the, the foundation and the walls. And we need to understand that our, Paul writes it, he says, as a master, but 1 Corinthians 3.10, he says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. You're building your life in Christ. And people are watching. And the enemy is trying to rattle your cage and trying to upset your foundation so that he can get you into confusion. He can paralyze you. That's why when, when you're laying foundations in a building, you've got to look at what the soil is like. And you know, in some places where the soil is extremely sandy, they actually put even steel reinforcings inside the concrete to strengthen it even more. Some of us, we've, we've come out of our life on, on a, a very a sandy uh, life, a, a life that's, that is mixed up with a lot of things, and we're having to find that we have to put some more strength into our foundation so that we can keep building well. Here's the next thing. How, far, how high do you want to go? Because you can't build a multi-story building on a single-story foundation. Where do you and I want to see ourselves going and becoming in God? So we've got to think about the foundation now. And so I'm asking all of us, can we work very hard at doing that? So if you have your Bibles, we're going to read the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation. No, we're not. But this passage is going to seem like it. Starting Matthew chapter 6 from verse 1 right down to 18. It says this, be careful. Now, I don't think that the Bible uses these kind of words just to entertain us or to make the Bible colorful. 
I believe that when the Bible uses words, we need to take, care, take note of them. And it says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Here's the deal. Who you and I are on our own without anybody around is who you really are. Because when we're hanging around people, we're always putting our best foot forward. Don't know about you, but I've been like that. And it says, we don't practice our righteousness before them. If you do, you would have no reward from your Father in heaven. Verse 2. So when you give, very good teaching from Kevin tonight. Underline that when you give. Highlight it. Do something because he's telling us something. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let the left hand know what the right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So you need to understand that when you and I live Godly principles, there is a reward, not because we are um, looking for the reward. It's because God rewards faithfulness and loyalty and commitment, because that's who he is. You can go and read that again in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, don't throw away your confidence. And then it says, you must stand, because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the Bible speaks about reward, and reward's part of our life. From the verse 5, and when you pray, underline we're coming back to these. Do not let your, uh, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of the many words. Do not let it be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sin. Verse 16. Are you ready? Underline this. When you fast. Smile. Do not look somber. If you have been fasting, you, you get to realize that your stomach starts to attack you. And it attacks your face. And there's no more smiles on your face anymore. It says, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. To those three things, God says there is a reward. Amen. That's it. Because he loves 
us obeying his word. So if we go to Matthew 6, uh, 5 or 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness, for they will be filled. That passage of scripture spoke about when we give, when we pray, when we fast. Those three things are demonstrations of, of seeking righteousness. Wanting to please God, wanting to touch his heart, wanting to be the people that he wants us to be. You see, builders do not have to guess what the building should look like. Why? Because they get given the plans. And all they have to do is actually just follow the plans. And the question is, does God want us guessing about our lives and what he's doing? No, just go back to the plan. God's word is his heart, his mind, his will, his intention, and his purposes for us. So while we are living his word, out of that, God can then touch something specific that will give you a direction for your life specifically. But it comes out of his word. That's why I've got to be someone that's in his word. So how easy is it to get plans drawn up and passed through council and all that kind of stuff? If you've done it, not easy. There's lots of red tape. There's lots of things in the process where people want to be bribed to help you get it faster and da, da 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 all that kind of stuff. Okay, so that's how the world works. But I want to tell you that there is an enemy that doesn't want you to connect with the plan of God. So what happens is he frustrates you. And things delay and things don't happen as you surely thought you would happen. And so what happens is we get out of frustration, sometimes we jump off the bus. Now, I'm encouraging us all tonight, don't jump off the bus, because it's going to require effort and perseverance and tenacity and seeking counsel and finding architects and getting the right people and speaking to other people. All those things are necessary when you and I want to walk in the fullness of God. God's plan requires exactly the same. So remember, Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So here's the question. How desperate are you and I? Because that's what it comes down to. If you're desperate, you will do everything you can. And when something closes, you'll go looking for another door. Right? Why? Because you're desperate. But most of us, we're actually not desperate. And as soon as we hit a bit of a resistance, we then say, obviously, then God's not in this thing. No, no, no. God's in that thing. He just needs you to push a little bit more. You need to push a little bit more. And that means that I've got to build some character in me. And that is something that, 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 to be honest with you, is lacking in the world that we live in because everything is instant. Everything is easy. You know, today, they don't even fix things. They just chuck it away and put a new one. You go back a couple of, couple of lots of years, <laughs> and, and if you wanted something, you had to make it yourself, and you had to put the steel in the, in the fire, and you had to hit it with a hammer, and you had, you had to bend. It took a bit of time. It took a bit of sweat to be able to get that thing. And that characteristic in, in man has, is slowly fading away, but we must not throw that out because that's part of our Christian life. We are going to sweat a little bit. I've been listening to that song, He's Never, he's never Early But Never Late. Who sings that song, Joel? Where are you? Hey, Who? Cornerstone, Tony Mack, Toby Mack, that guy. And it's amazing how that song's been stuck in my head lately. What time did I start? It's been going for about... Never, never late. 
Thank you, bro. You're in my corner. Thank you. <laughs> Psalm 42, listen to David. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I, when can I go and meet with God? Here's a, here's a cry of David that was running for his life. Many of the years of his life, he was running for his life and just missed being in the presence of God, missed having this. I want you to write this down. Private discipline will be seen. Private disciplines will be seen publicly. Because what you and I are with the God alone eventually comes out in public. Remember, we don't do these things so that we can be seen, but it will be seen. Because with that passage of Scripture, I think, I think uh, Paul's writing to Timothy, he says, let your progress be seen by all. So God's expecting you and I to actually progress. What is it that needs to be increasing in our life? I want to tell you that the anointing of God needs to be increasing in our life. And that's why I think I, see, I, I really felt for this, this couple today is because God's putting them in a place where the demonstration of God is going to be the thing that's going to break through into many situations for them. The anointing of God. Breaking the strong things that just keep us. Darian's testimony tonight just so encouraged me because God is working. And, but but you've got to get to that place of desperate and, and, and open your life and just put everything on the piece of paper. And, and trust that people are not going to use that as ammunition against you. That's being real. And so how desperate are we for those things to be broken? How desperate are we, are we asking God for supernatural doors to be opened? Things that you've been trusting God for years and years and years. I want to tell you, as I stand here today, I've been in the ministry in the end of December was 36 years. I'm not telling you that for anything else other than for this. The day that, that I got prayed in and, and, and ordained, a prophetic word was that God, I said, I, God said, I'm going to use you in this nation and in other nations. I was in Zimbabwe then. I've never seen that prophetic word fulfilled. But I'm holding on to it. After 36 years, I'm trusting that somewhere along the line, God's going to fulfill that thing that he spoke, because I believe he doesn't speak for fun. But have I, have I had to arrest some thoughts that keep on saying to you, you know what, you're never going to get there. You've missed the boat somewhere along the line. And I've got, to, I've got to arrest that thought and say, God, I don't know, you said it. And so I'm not building my life around it. I'm just going where you put me and I'm doing what you give me to do. But I'm trusting you that somewhere along the line, that thing's going to open up. We need to start to believe the Lord that God will release the assignment that he's put on our lives. There's an assignment on your life. Some of us, we're wandering around in the wilderness because we don't know what that is. Well, I want to I strongly encourage you tonight. Let's start to seek him and say, God, I want that assignment. I want to fulfill that thing. A couple of years ago when I wasn't well, and, 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 and uh, leave it there. This is the one prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not going to leave this earth until I've had every conversation that you want me to have, every telephone call, every meeting, Every, every sermon that you've ever put on the inside of me, I've preached everything so that I die empty and I've fulfilled your purpose in my life. That's it. 
Everybody has a gift in some way. Agree? Some of them, we don't understand them. They're very public. Some of them, they all happen around behind the scenes. But everybody's got a gift. Who gave you that gift? God gave you that gift. So the gift is free. Right? Whose responsibility is it to work that gift, to strengthen that gift, and to use that gift? God gave it to me, and now when he gives it to me, I need to work out how does this thing work. I need to learn as much as I can about it. I need to be trusting the Lord on how this thing works, and where can I do it, and how I should be using it. I need to be hanging around people that can help me in that one. It's my responsibility to get my gift to come to its full. And also, I need to be keeping the bad habits out of the gift functioning. Did you catch that? Because we can taint the gift with other bad ways. You okay? I need to tell you that this sermon was one of the hardest to put together. My goodness me. I need to learn about that gift. So every assignment is birth. There's a time and there's a place where God births things. Remember, we're talking about prayer and fasting. We're talking about changing things. And I'm trying to, to lace them things down here to get, for us to get to realize that, that God's wanting to do something bigger than maybe where we're at right now. And there's a time and a place where God births things. And birthing, talk to any woman. And I thank God that every time I see a pregnant woman, I say, thank you, Lord, I'm a man. Because I don't think the birthing process is nice. I think there's a lot of pain connected to that. And sometimes there may be some pain connected to us birthing things in our life that God wants. Sometimes we're going to end up in a bit of an uncomfortable place. Sometimes it's going to take effort, but I want to tell you, it is worth pushing through. It is worth pushing through. So we've rescheduled our thoughts so we can teach on this one. So I'm going to see how far we get and we just carry on. Number one, do you need breakthrough? Put up your hand if you need breakthrough. I think if you're really honest, every single one of us should be putting up a hand. Because in your life somewhere... There is breakthrough that is needed. And I believe that fasting is one of those key ingredients that we have kind of like shoved off the lorry because it's not a nice thing to do. But I want to say that I believe it's one of the keys that's going to change our spiritual life. Um, and I believe it's a key that will open heavens over us. So when we speak about fasting, we're not talking about a diet. And I'm not just talking about going without food, because you can go without food, do an experiment. One day, just say, oh, I don't think I'm going to eat today, and just don't eat. Then the next day, or next time, maybe to give yourself some time to eat, <laughs> otherwise you might waste away. The next time you wake up, and you, well, you decide, okay, I'm going to fast for a day, and tell me which day was easier. You've done exactly the same thing. You've gone without food. But the one day that you said, I'm going to fast, I'm telling you all hell's going to break loose against you. Watch it. 
Because there's something supernatural about that. So fasting is, is abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. It's not just staying away from food. I need to stay away from food because um, December had a lot of collateral damage in my life. And I'm trying to start it to hang around me a little bit longer than I wanted to. So it's about seeking change to take place. It's about to get myself back onto the cutting edge. Because how many of you have realized that we can become very blunt very quick? We need to just get back, sharpening ourselves back up again. And have you noticed that how, how quick that becomes? You lose your sharpness. You lose your passion. You lose a lot of things. You can just hang around a little bit of a wrong company and you lose it just like that. That's why the Bible warns us bad company corrupts good morals. So in Psalm 42, David's passion is that as the deer pants for streams of living water. So breakthrough comes not from doing, I mean from doing, not from just knowing. Many of us serve God because of what we know and we can quote scripture, but we're not putting that into practice. We're not living. We're not those living stones that Roland spoke about last week. We need to become those living stones. Breakthrough comes when I'm doing the right things right. When Jesus walked on the earth, what did he do? He taught and he modeled. He taught and he modeled. What happens if Jesus taught one thing and modeled something totally different? What did you think would have happened? I don't think things would have gone the way they have. You see, because uh, there, there's, there's somebody who said this in, in about Matthew 28, Mark 16, go into all the world and make disciples and use words only if necessary. May your and my life be something that models Jesus Christ before we even open our mouth. So, Jesus walked on the earth. He modeled and he taught. So Acts chapter 1, Luke's writing. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven. So what did Jesus teach? Basically, Jesus taught us principles and he gave us keys and he gave us tools that we could use to fulfill our purpose and to build his kingdom. So your and my life now is not about you and me. It's about who I represent. It's about what I am building. It's about how people can get connected to Jesus Christ. That's it. And the reason why your life is important is because you're going to be wandering around in this world where I never will be. And that's why you need to be there. And that's why you need to shine there. And that's why you need to be strong there. And that's why you need to be in love with Jesus over there. And that's why you need to be living your life and working in such a way that people can see Christ through you. Every life is important. So, the principles is for you and I to live. So, we're going back to Matthew chapter 6. He says, so then when you pray, our Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that God wants to bring heaven down onto earth. And the people that he's going to use is us. That's why you're important. Is there a secret? No, there's no secret. So if you read Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, 
all those three chapters, it's, they call it the Beatitudes. Jesus teaching about all the important things of life, attitude, what we should be. He talked about anger, lust, divorce, commitment, enemies, uh, retaliation, money, worries, criticism, persistence, how to get to heaven, how you need to be a bear fruit, build a solid foundation. But in the middle of all that, he comes up with this passage of Scripture that I've just read right now. And those three things, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast are there. So I want to ask you now, that statement, when you pray, when you give, when you fast, is that a, um, what's the word I've used over here? Is that a suggestion or an expectation? Did I hear right expectation from three people? (laughs) It's an expectation. In other words... Kevin was saying, whoever had his cell phone, can you bring it when you come to church? He has an expectation that the cell phone's coming back, right? He never suggested, listen, if you kind of like want to, and then on Sunday he's going to wonder whether his cell phone, no, he's asked, please bring it, and he has an expectation, his cell phone's coming back. And so God here is saying, I have an expectation on my people, and that is to give, to pray, to fast. So if God says that, then there needs to be some sort of importance or something that maybe we have not quite seen in this that's going to help us. So here's an interesting thing. In Matthew 10, 1, Jesus sends out his disciples with authority. Okay? Matthew 10, 7, it says, As you go, pray, saying, uh, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 8, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. We go down to Matthew 17, and all of a sudden we have a, a dad who has a child that has been suffering with fits for many, many years. Took it to the disciples, disciples prayed, nothing happened. We go down to verse 14. The father comes to Jesus, and when they had come into the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffered severely. He has often fallen into the fire and into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus said to him, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that hour. Stop. I want you to imagine you were a disciple. And they brought the child, nothing happened, see Jesus over. What would you be asking yourself? (laughs) How come I couldn't get it right? What was missing? So, down to verse 19, that's exactly what the, the, the disciples, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as, as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be moved, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, 21, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. That's the NIV version. Other Bible versions, they just say by prayer. So I want to say to you that there will come times in our life when there's just something more needed, not because of God's words, 
not true and can't do what it is. It's just that something more is needed for that moment that you and I are lacking, and therefore we need to be pressing into God for more. Now, that's a very controversial statement right there. See, most of us focus on the wrong thing. We focus on nothing that will be impossible for you. I want to tell you, you're not going to always get to get it right. And there are going to be times when you're going to have to go and learn. And you're going to have to humble yourself and go out to ask somebody. And you're going to have to go and sit with somebody. And you have to go be teachable. So the key verse is however. That in other words, it requires more. The message Bible there in verse 20 says, because you have not yet taken God seriously. That's what the message Bible says on that. So Luke, we go to Luke chapter 4 verse 1. Jesus full. So here comes that passage of scripture now. So Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. Led the, uh, left the Jordan and led, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during this time, and at the end of them he was hungry. I think that's an understatement. <laughs> I have never done a 40-day fast. Um, I'll have to hear the Lord's voice clearly to do that one. But in that time when the enemy comes and he says, turn the stones into bread, he was dealing with the power of the flesh. And these are the things that become stumbling blocks in our lives that things don't actually kick in and happen. So he says, the, the lust of the flesh. Then he says to Jesus, go into this high place. He says, everything you see, I will give you authority and I'll, you, you can enjoy the splendor. He was dealing with the lust of the eye, the things that we want. And then the last one, he says, throw yourself off this high, high point. The angels will catch you. He's dealing with pride. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life are the three things that you and I are going to have to keep on making sure stays dead in our life for us to walk in the fullness of God, in the fullness of God. So you come down to verse 14 now. My, my scripture, Luke 4, verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. And I want to declare to you, that there's going to be a hunger in the communities around us and all over the place that they are going to want to know about the Jesus that we serve because the people that represent him are going to be people that are so passionate about him that the, the love of God oozes out of them, that when they speak, they speak life over people, that when they speak, they speak wisdom into situations. They are such an asset in their companies, in their communities, in their families. That's the God that people are looking for. And he's going to be found in you and I. And our time is coming to an end. Could this possibly be that he came out in the power of the Spirit where he said by this, this only comes out by prayer and fasting. So Jesus said in Luke 6, 40, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. A disciple is not above his teacher. Jesus came and he taught and he modeled. I want to tell you that there's going to be some things about Jesus that we're going to have to look and we maybe have to do, not maybe, we have to do so that we can be good disciples that are representing him. John 14, 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater than these because I am going to the Father. Last thing, 
as I just close here and then we'll carry on next time. Something interesting. When Jesus speaks about giving prayer and fasting, he always connects a reward to them. He always connects a reward to them. And I want to tell you that God is a rewarder of those who faithfully, diligently seek him, serve him, love him, represent him. Yeah, we mess up, but he's a forgiving God. But when we mess up, don't stay there. Bounce back again. Bounce back again. He's not rejected you. He still loves you. His call, his purposes, his plans are still in place. Seek him with all your heart. You okay? Come on. All right, cool. Do you mind sitting? They say there. We like watching your face. It's all right. <laughs> okay. So, so let me give you an illustration of this. Daniel in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel was part of Jerusalem. They took captive by Babylon. And so he was serving King Cyrus in Babylon. All right. And so in 10 verse 2, it says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat, no wine came into my mouth, nor did I um, anoint myself at all till three, three whole weeks were fulfilled. So at that time, Daniel has a vision in that time of his fasting, and angel speaks to him. And we pick it up again in verse 12, Daniel 12. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. What did Daniel do? Daniel fasted, heaven heard. So the point there is fasting seems to get heaven's attention. All right? Daniel 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. What's the point? We're in a war. Whether you like it or not, you know, this is not a war with guns, but there is a war. There is a spiritual war that's taking place about your life and about the world. And that's what God is, Jesus came to redeem that. And you and I are the ones that are enforcing the rule and reign of Christ back in again. Daniel 14. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in that latter day. For the vision refers to many uh, days yet to come. So the result is Daniel, if you go and carry on reading, how God just blesses Daniel with great wisdom beyond everybody else. He stands out. He's head and shoulders above everybody else in that whole situation. He's a godly man in an ungodly environment, and people listen. And that's what God wants to do. God wants to raise us up to be people that stand up in the crowd. Sir. Thanks, Basil.